Hello one and all and welcome to the Death Punk Podcast. My name is Dan Power and it's episode two. So earlier this week I went down to Punch London and had a little sit down chat with Spencer Oliver. Now Spencer spends his time these days as a boxing pundit over on Sky Sports. But of course before that he was a promising boxing prospect in his own right. A Commonwealth silver medalist and European champion at bantamweight, he was a guy that great things were expected of. Unfortunately during a routine defence of his title he was severely injured when a torn blood vessel caused a clot to form in his brain and this was serious stuff. He was actually treated by paramedics right there in the ring. Now he survived that day but only after life-saving surgery to remove the clot and despite making a full recovery his boxing career was finished right there in then. Over the course of our chat we discuss what it was like learning that his dream was over and the steps he's taken since in rebuilding his life outside of the ring. So without further ado, here's Spencer. Okay, I'm here with Spencer Oliver. Spencer, how you doing mate? Yeah, really well Dan. All good, thanks. Okay, so for anyone listening that might not know who you are, how would you describe who you are? Right, how would I describe myself? (laughs) Right, yeah. Spencer Oliver, former European super bantamweight champion, now um, Sky TV boxing pundit. So obviously you, you've had two very distinct parts of your career, right? Mm. You know, when you were a boxer and then when you weren't. But of sure. course the thing that stopped that was pretty I wanna say traumatic almost, if you want yeah. kind of traumatic, dyma- dynamic. It was um yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty serious stuff. We go back to nineteen ninety eight, I was defending my European title for the fourth time, I think it was, defending my European title for the fourth time at the Royal Albert Hall. This was the big homecoming of Spencer, the big the big announcement onto the big stage, if you like. I had Sky TV backing me. I had, you know, the papers were all behind me. So everyone was sort of pushing me, pushing me up there. I was rated number three in the world, in the world by two of the governing bodies, number two by one of the other governing bodies. So things were looking brilliant. Because you've been like, um, you've been amateur, you represented Britain at the Commonwealth, yeah. right? with a silver medal. Yeah. You had a really good record. Yeah, that. everything was everything was going amazing. Like I say, he was undefeated in um, 14 fights at the time, 10 knockouts. Everything was looking brilliant. Um, I remember travelling to the Royal Albert Hall May the 2nd, 1998. And I remember waking up on May the 14th, still thinking I was at the Royal Albert Hall. It was the most bizarre thing. It was those 12 days that I lost in May, which was which was mad. Yeah, it is mad. I mean, I mean you've seen it looking back now, what happened. Mm. But what is literally your last memory? It's just preparing for the fight and then... No, my last, my last memory, I sort of vaguely remember the waiting the day before. And my last memory was sort of travelling to the Royal Albert Hall. I remember being in the car and I remember going there. And I remember being in, walking into the dressing room thinking, wow, this is really small. Because I was expecting like this big dressing room and it was really small. And I put my shorts on and my shorts were really long. There was loads of little things that weren't right. So let me, let me explain the first thing that really freaked me out and it freaks me out till today really is that I always, as you can see right now, I'm wearing white trainers. So I don't wear black shoes unless I'm wearing shoes trainers and boxing yeah like white makes me feel quicker so when I was boxing I never boxed I always boxed in white boots from when I was an 11 year old kid to my last fight now on my last fight I got my shorts made and they made these gold shorts and they were quite big but they put black writing on it instead of white and so I thought do you know what I'm going to do it I'm going to wear the black because it will look better with black boots so I went and got black boots now I always had a superstition do not wear black boots because it makes you feel slow now when I've got black boots and I woke up 12 days later how mad is that and it was like and so my superstition become reality really and it was like really weird so and I've never worn black boots again since or ever (laughs) yeah Yeah, obviously but um yeah absolutely but so yeah it was just loads of little things like that really that weren't right on the night Dan but yeah I remember being in the dressing room 
And then I remember waking up, like like I say, 12 days later, and I was looking around my hospital bed, and my mum was there, and my dad was there, and my brother was there. And I remember like, having this tube in my mouth, and, and I remember the doctor saying, do you know who this is? And I'm like, what's he going on about? Of course it is, my mum. I couldn't speak because I had this thing in my mouth, a ventilator still in my mouth, and they was like, do you know who this is? And it was like, it's my dad. And it was like, so I'm nodding. And then they was putting, got a ballpoint pen, they were pushing on all my pressure points on my hands and my feet. And I was like, wow. And they was like, do you know what's happened? So anyway, after they got the, the, the tube out and everything else, they asked me what happened. I said, well, yeah, I've been knocked out. And they went, well, it's a little bit worse than that. I said, do you know where you are? And I went, it's my local hospital, it's Barnet General. So I said, yeah, Barnet General. And they went, well, you're not in Barnet General, mate. Well, where am I? And I was like, National Neurological Hospital in Queen Square in London. And I was like, what am I doing here? That's weird. So and it just took me a few days to piece it all together. And then I had to learn to walk again, which was like really bizarre. I had a frame and I started, so I couldn't, I still hadn't pieced anything together. And then I looked in the mirror for the first time after about three days and noticed that I'd had like, they'd sort of drilled in here, cut half my head off. And I looked like a tennis ball, if I'm honest. It was like 98 stables going right around my head with half my hair shaved off. And that's when I thought, shit, I've got to get this right, man. I've got yeah. to... I've got to forget about the boxing and just get myself right because it looked I looked terrible. Um, so that's my that's my whole memory of that of that whole time. Um, and then obviously when I looked in that mirror and saw that, I thought, you know what, that door's shut, boxing's finished, but um, I'm gonna have to do something else. So I I, went, I suffered depression for a long time. After that, I was sitting there really really depressed, not knowing what I was gonna do with my life. And I always remember Barry McGuigan come up to the hospital. And Barry was a pundit, was working on my fight at the time. He come to the hospital. And he says to me, Spence, don't worry, we can um we can we can do something here. You can you know, you're a kid that everyone likes. They was building you up, you can come and do what we're doing, do the punditry and all that. And I was like Because how old yeah. were you at that stage? I was just turned twenty three. Two months into twenty three, yeah. Crazy, my career was done. Like I was, I was a kid that was going into the fight with the world at my feet and waking up with everything taken. So like do you know what I mean? And it was like, Wow, how do I deal with this? So yeah, and Barry gave me those words and I wrote to the head of Sky at the time, a guy called Vic Wakelin. And I wrote to Vic and said, Vic, I'm still really passionate about the sport. You know, I've, I've, I've been done. You've, you've seen what's happened to me. I'd love to be given a chance to be able to come on as a pundit or as a commentator. And they was like, yeah, and that was back in 1998. And we're now 2017 and I'm still doing it. So yeah, it was probably the best letter I ever wrote. Yeah. You've been doing that lot almost longer than your boxing career. I've doubled the amount. I was only a pro for just over three years, believe it or not. I've done everything on a really small, short amount of time. Like when people ask, like people say to me, so I'm coming up 42 in March. People say to me, how old are you, Spence? And when I say like 41 years of age, they're like, yeah, come on, how old are you, mate? And like, I go, well, yeah, I'm 41. When did you finish boxing? 19 years ago. Well, how can you be 41? Because I've done everything as a baby, and I, I've done everything in a really short space of time. It's bizarre. You know, you talk about depression and whatnot. Do you think your newfound career is what helped mm. you get over that? I can tell you now, without that, I'd be in a really bad place. Because what happened was, after I finished my boxing, for a couple of years, I sort of... I didn't have to worry about doing anything really too much. So I was working with Sky a little bit, but I was drinking a lot and, you know, just sort of going out and just not really caring. Um, and I needed to find direction in life. So hence when I started, someone comes to me and said, Spence, will you train me? And I like, do me, do me like a one-on-one -on -one session. I was like, yeah, do I want to do that? Yeah, go on then, why not? And then I trained him and then it like he brought his mate and then it sort of, sort of grew from there. And then all of a sudden I found myself, oh, I can't go out tonight because... 
I've got geezer to train at six in the morning and it give me direction. And it's like, when I look back on it now, I think if it wasn't for that, I don't know what I'd be doing, mate, because I, I you know, I needed to find direction. And, and yeah. that, that sort of pulled me out of the depression as well. Because it was very hard coming to terms with not being out of box again, being a kid that was so young and it all being taken away from you. It was like, yeah, it was a lot of lot of demons to overcome. That's Dad. the thing, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people that finish their careers when they retire, mm. they struggle with it. So yeah. Having it taken from you... When Before you it started, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It was, it was a real tough one and a lot of demons to overcome, but I, I was very fortunate I had good people around me and, and, I've, and I come out of there, but I'm not going to lie when I say I wasn't, you know, at times struggling. But yeah, the training side of things really saved me. And then I was doing my Sky stuff as well. And now I've just sort of fallen into a great place. There's not many times that I can remember when I can say, after the new year, you think, I can't wait for this year to be over, get a fresh new start on this one. Well, this year started brilliant for me. Things are going really well, opportunities are coming up. And yeah, so it's just like, at the moment, things are really good. You've always come across someone that has a really positive yeah. attitude. Do you think that's what sets you apart almost? I think that, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's only, it's only my Mrs. Nicola, she's the only one that really sees what goes on. Because when I get home, I'm a miserable little <laughs> so-and-so. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but you can't, can you? You can't keep it up. But what you got, I think a, a lesson in life for everyone is that negativity pushes people away. Do you know what I mean? People don't, don't want it, negativity. So even if, you know, so I'm a very bubbly, upbeat person, but that only attracts people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you've got yeah. to be, you've got to be like that because I think that if you're, if you're like down or you're negative or you're miserable, that just pushes people away. But yeah. when you're not, I, so I'm, I'm just, that's my character anyway. I think the only one that sees the miserable side of me is, is like I say, Nicola. So bless her. <laughs> she's been with me now. She's stuck with me now for like 16 years or so. So. Yeah, but she's the only one that really sees that side of me. But I think it's important to be be to be upbeat and positive. It's, it, it attracts the right people. Yeah, totally. And if you can be, you know, and, and the fact that you still love boxing, mm. despite the fact that, you know, it, it, yeah. did, it gave you so much, but at the same time took it away. Nearly um, took my life. Nearly took my life. But do you know what? Without boxing, I wouldn't be the person I was. And if you asked me, would I do it again? Shit, I'd say, yeah. Did, yeah, did. And, and I'll do it twice on a Sunday. It's like one of those. It's like the passion burns inside me with boxing. That's why... I think that I'm still being used on Sky and why I'm used on radio and I do stuff in Eurosport and, and different things is because people can feel that energy because I was taken away from me before I got to the stage where I went, you know what, I've had enough of this game because I don't think the desire would be the same. But I, that's why, that's my only my only thought that why I'm maybe so passionate about it because that's the, that's the, a lot of the time I get them sort of comments and people say to me, wow, man, you can feel it when you're... When you're on Sky, are you doing anything? You can feel the energy, like so. You, you, do you know what I mean? So I'm lucky. What is it to think about boxing that it gets called mm. a fairly labelled dangerous sport? Even yeah, there are other sports that are potentially more dangerous. Yeah, but the people like yourself who do unfortunately have their careers mm. ended or do suffer career life changing uh, injuries because of it, yeah. they still love boxing. You know, if you look at someone like uh, Michael Watson, Michael Watson, he still a, very much loves boxing. He's one of my best mates, Michael Watson, and he was another one that pulled me through this time because. I finished the marathon, me and Chris Eubank finished the last mile of the marathon when Michael done it. Now I always remember like Michael looking at me, he was walking with his hand on my shoulder and he's going, yeah, Spence, we're the people's champions, we're the people's champions. And they was all going mad. And I was looking at him thinking, I'm so lucky, man, because Michael was like sort of seven years before me and had he, what happened to him not happened, I maybe not be in the position that I'm in today because they sedated me in the ring, put me to sleep in the ring, which shut down any damage that was going to be done to the brain. Whereas with Michael, they sort of, he went over, they didn't know what was wrong, they took him to one hospital, he couldn't operate on him there, took him to another hospital, and so all the time this damage was being done. So, you know, Michael pulled me through, and he's in a brilliant place as well now, Michael, really good place. 
and he sort of pulled me through them times. But it's just like people, people like that, I think, really sort of really help. Yeah, and inspiring, really. Oh, massively inspiring. That's that's what I mean. That's what makes you want to. So I remember looking for the first when I was in the hospital bed. I couldn't like I hadn't walked for a few, like over two weeks. And I remember looking at the toilet, thinking. Shit, I'd love to be able to go to the toilet. Really? Yeah, and the toilet was literally Daniel. When I tell you, mate, it was it was like Everest. Ten yeah, but ten meters away. I was looking at it, thinking I'd love to be able to do that. And so I, I think we we don't we don't appreciate how blessed we are to be able to walk up the stairs because how many people can't really do that? Yeah. Simple things in life is when you have a tragedy like what happened to me. You appreciate the simple things in life. I wish I could do this, walk to the toilet, or whatever. So that's what really pulled me through as well, thinking we're so lucky and we don't even realise it. We're all so lucky, yeah. you know, because there's a lot of people that are always a lot worse off. But again, so. that's, that's what's so interesting. It's something like that has to change perspective the world, right? It, it did me massively. It's almost turning a negative into a positive in a way, making you realise how lucky you yeah. are to be able to, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a religious person at all. I definitely believe somebody was up there with me that night just saying, you know what? I just got a proper second bite of the cherry because I come out sort of unscathed, apart from this little hole here and, and that. But you know, that, that's, just, that's just character. But yeah, no, I was just, I'm, I'm just lucky, man. Blessed, blessed. So yeah, speaking of boxing, the great love of your life. Yeah, it's a good year for boxing. Massive, massive, so massive year. Well, we had James DeGale a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? James DeGale fight was unbelievable. Draw with Badu Jack, that was brilliant. And then last weekend we had. Cole Frampton yep. getting beaten against Santa Cruz in the return. He loses on a split decision, won the first one on a split decision, sets up the rubber match. The trilogy one. got to have one. I think the first two were so good. And so I loved that. Looking forward to the third one there. We've got David Hay, Tony Bellew, massive fight. Got Anthony Joshua Klitschko at Wembley Stadium. Come yeah, on, man. 90,000 people. The biggest. Like, boxing is really like Eddie Hearn has done an amazing job of turning boxing. He's done to boxing what Barry Hearn done to darts. The darts used to be at the Circus Tavern, like little dingy little places where the dart players were getting rubbish money. Now you go to the darts, it's like a massive event. It's at the the O2, man, like banged out and it's just crazy. Barry Hearn done that and so Eddie's done what Barry done with the darts. Eddie's turned boxing into like, he's taking it from the York Hall, little back street of boxing. So if you go to a boxing show now and you look around, you go, there ain't no boxing fans here. It's all glitzy women, actors, like people just go, do you know what? I want to go for a night out because it's great and it's cool. It's like your boxing fans are up in the gods. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to feel sorry for them. But at the same time, what I'm, what I'm saying is that boxing now has gone outside the realms of just your boxing fan. It's like, my Mrs. Nicola, it's like, Spencer, you better get me a ticket. Speak to Frank because I, I need a ticket for the anti-Joshua fire. You've never wanted to go and fight before. The first one she ever went to was um, was the George Groves and Frotch. and Frotch fight at Wembley Stadium, and I took her, and it's probably the worst thing I could have done because she was like, "This is unbelievable." There's eighty thousand people. You can see it's like it was amazing. So she's now now in trouble. Got to get one for the um, Anthony Joshua one. But I mean, what I'm saying is, if you look back, you know, twenty years like when we were boxing, you look at your calls and all that, and now you see what Eddie's done with the, with boxing. He's just turned it into Turn it into a, a major sport, man. It's gone. It's, it's gone. Yeah. It's great that getting put back in the public and mm. conscious because it's got a great British tradition. Of yeah, absolutely. We got and we got so many world champions at the moment. I mean, Frampton lost the other day, but like sort of eleven world champions are saying at the moment, which is like for a little island like that. Come okay. on, man, that's incredible. Like the kids are just doing so well, and I think success breeds success. You know, Matchroom are doing an unbelievable job, and and you know with the boxers and like I said Eddie's 
Eddie's doing an unbelievable job and I think that they're all down there. You go down to where Tony Sims is training down in Essex. You've been, you come down there once, yeah, yeah, didn't you? So you come down there and you go in there and it's like the who's who of boxing in there and it's in this little gym on a field in, in, in on a farm in this like field and it's just like bizarre and you go in there and they're, they're all there. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's just, I think he's done amazing with it, Eddie. He's done amazing with, with, with the sport. Why do you think he's been able to, to literally put it centre? Because I think that Barry Hearn had the platform and Barry built the platform and the platform was there but it needed something new and, and, and Eddie Eddie just had a lot of energy yeah. and Eddie had his own ideas and Barry just thought you know what come on Eddie you you, you put your stuff on it I'm, I'm still but because they do they do matchroom sport is a huge corporation oh, they're doing you know they're doing not do they do the darts they do the snooker they do the they do everything football everything yeah. so he's gone like, Eddie you do the boxing and I think Eddie just wanted to stamp his own mark on it and he's done amazing with it. He's just like, he's just, he's brought, he's, he's brought it back. He's brought it back to, yeah, he's, he's made it into a mainstream sport. And like you say, it's an event now, not a, not a, a little a sport. Of sport. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really great to see. So, yeah. Can I get your opinion on the ATV pay-per-view that's put up on Friday? Right, I'm not just saying this because I work for Sky, but I just think it's, it's quite a sad spectacle if I'm honest, because, Eubanks, unfortunately, is um, he's trying to do things on his own, and I don't think it's such a great thing because they're going on ITV four, which is only on a. You can't get that on ITV anyway. I don't believe. I think you've got to get it on the Sky platform. I mean, you're on, so it's like it's on channel four, eight, whatever, or whatever it's it is. It's not as simple as it's not as simple as yeah, that's what I'm but... saying. Picture number three, and so I don't quite understand. It's just another pay per view channel. But I think if he was going to do that, Eubank, he needed to do that with a name like. Triple G, Golovkin, yeah. or a return with Billy Joe Saunders, or he needed to do something with a bit of weight in it. I mean, he's boxing this guy, Quinlan, Quinlan. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and there's no weight there because it, does not, it doesn't mean anything. And they go, well, he's the IBO champion. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, that, they, like, you need to, if you're going to go box office or something, and you're going to make a statement and start trying to do something fresh, to me, you've got to do it with a huge name if they're going to do that. Because Eubanks has done a great job. Everyone knows who he is. But they, you can't go in against an opponent and no one knows who they are and go, we're going box office with it. They're just not going to get the sales. Well, not just that. I mean, everyone that I know that knows boxing sense formality. That's what I'm saying. You know. That's what I'm saying. So, Dan, if you if they had it where you go, right, I'm going to have Billy Joe Saunders or a Triple G or, you know, they went they moved up to super middleweight and we're going to go do it with the gal or something, then you go, wow. I'll pay tenner for that. I would do that because I'm a boxing fan. Yeah, of course. But I'm, I know every boxing fan I've spoken to have gone, I'm not paying that. You know what I mean? So, And also, because Sky's a platform where they've been doing box office for years, yeah. people accept that you've got to pay for box office. When ITV are doing it, they go, I'm not paying that. True. You know, it's all them elements. So that Unless might work. something really special. It like might so. work in 10 years or unless you get something really special on it, but not with that fight of that magnitude. No, not for me. What are the biggest fights that haven't been booked yet that you think could happen in the next four months? Well, it's an interesting one, that. There's, um, I think, potentially, there's some massive fights out there. I'm looking forward to George Groves, James DeGale, the return. Yeah. Because that could like, well happen. They've got history uh, yeah, got Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and the first fight was really, really intriguing. Love to see that again. We've got the British heavyweights now that, well, you know, Andy Joshua has got to try and clean up. You've got Big David Price hanging around. You've got... Andy Joshua David Hay would be huge that's a fight that I love yeah so there's loads of fights out there if I'm honest that's just off the the top of my head we've got the 
Um, who else? We've got Callum Smith's in the Super Middleweights as well. So yeah, he goes into that one with George Groves. I'd love to see Callum Smith in with George Groves or James DeGale. Callum Smith went to interview uh, Scott Quigg at uh, yeah. uh, Gallagher's gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, How Smith. cool are they? Nicest guys. Not, yeah, absolutely. Such good lads. Crawling, they're all great. And yeah. then Callum Smith saw me and was like, oh, am I spying with you today? <laughs> yeah, oh, really? We yeah. always sit besides us, right? Yeah. It like, makes no, sense. I don't think it'll last too long if I got in there with you. Oh, wicked. But yeah, those fights I'm looking forward to. Do you know what? Off the top of my head, just thinking because that was just sort of like um, a random question, but yeah, them sort of fights I'm really looking forward to. There's some massive British all world title fights out there to be yeah. made. Everyone wants to see Hay and Joshua. Everyone wants to see Degal Groves. Everyone wants to see Callum Smith in with either one of those two. Um, the Super Bantamweights, even. We got, you know, we got Frampton still floating down there. Scott Quigg down there. We got the Lightweights, is unbelievable. You got Crawler, Terry Flanagan. Um, as another massive fight that everyone would like to see. But Crawler's obviously doing Lenares again, um, which is a difficult fight. Yeah, there's, there's like, it's, it's, there's it's never ending, on. mate. There's a lot going on, Dan, which is, um, Really exciting. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really is a great year for boxing. Yeah. And got people talking about McGregor versus Mayweather. Yeah, like, do you know um, what? I, I, don't, we don't need it. it doesn't, boxing don't, doesn't need bo- that. Boxing doesn't need it at all. Do you know why it doesn't need it at all? Because that would be a joke. That, well, that would be a joke. Like, because McGregor's good at what he does. Mayweather's unbelievable at what he does. McGregor comes into the boxing world. Mayweather would play with him, man. It wouldn't yeah. even, it's not even, it's not even a contest. You know, if Mayweather went into his world, then he would play with Mayweather yeah, because he would take him down. So, you know, don't try and come into... Like, they're just, that's the circus in my eyes. I think that it's... I, I, I don't think the fight will happen, but if it does happen, there's, there's only one winner in that. Yeah, in so. a boxing ring. No, it's Mayweather. It's all about that. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just a shame, as I say, that a lot of outside boxing media are talking about that as the kind of... Yeah, because media. I think it's because, yeah, because he's so big, McGregor, and, and he's amazing at what he does. I'm not no, taking anything so away from him. Not just selling himself, but in the actual sport that he does, the MMA or the UFC, he's absolutely unbelievable. He's like the guy, he's like, he's, he's, he's the Don, he's the daddy. But don't try and come into the boxing man, box Mayweather, because... He's not going to do himself any favours there. No, of course not. I mean, it's just worrying because, I mean, obviously Nate Diaz, who fought the Greg, yeah. he's not for his boxing license. Yeah. It's like, is this the trend that's going to keep going? I know. I know. It's, I don't know uh, why they're doing it. I really don't. With either, well, I don't with financial reasons. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. On, on a whole, you know, even with McGregor talking about the boxing Mayweather and everything else, it's only, it's only putting our sport into the spotlight even more anyway. So, it's only beneficial. Yeah. You know. And, and if McGregor... Here's one for you. If McGregor and Mayweather was made, would you buy it on box office? Yeah, it's a good question. Because I, I would. I would. Exactly. Of course you would. It's... You would buy it, knowing, and then afterwards you go, told you, he knew he'd get knocked out in three yeah, rounds. Yeah, shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. But my point is, there's so, there's not a person I haven't asked in this world that I've seen yeah. that would say, no, I wouldn't buy that. So it would be exactly. huge. Of course it would. It's yeah. only good for boxing. But there's only one winner for me. Speaking of winners... Joshua Klitschko talks about. Oh yeah, oh. You know what? You have got to put your money on Anthony Joshua. You got to put your money. You got to put your money on Anthony Joshua. But if you was a betting man and you looked at the odds and Klitschko was a five to one underdog, I know you'd put the money on it because we don't know what Klitschko's got left. Now, what? Forget Tyson Fury, like sort of played around with him and Klitschko looked totally shot. But there was apparently things going wrong outside of the ring with Klitschko. Is that right? Yeah, he had a lot of personal problems going on that weren't right. But it was an odd fight. It was an odd fight. He didn't throw any punches. Now, 
Previous to that, he'd look really good. Mm. So if you said a prime Kalichko versus an Anthony Joshua now, oh, that's a tough fight to call, man. So people, are, I think they're taking a calculated gamble on the fact that Klitschko might be past his best. Yeah. But there's a great possibility he ain't. And if he's not, we're in for a fight, man. Totally. I'm going to go Joshua because I think that he's just going to be too young, too fresh, and I think he'll, he might catch him. And if he catches him, he'll get him out of there. Yeah. The longer the fight goes, the more you're going to favour Klitschko. Yep. He's got that experience. He's got the experience. So, but, so anybody that thinks it's a foregone conclusion is wrong because there's a load of elements that are going, or there's a load of load of things hanging. You go, well, is he shot, Klitschko? If he is, then Joshua wins. If he ain't, I don't know. You know, he can whack. Will Joshua comes in in straight lines? Will he walk onto one? Listen, it's an exciting fight, and it's one that, yeah, it's, it's one that I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Joshua because I love Joshua, and he was trained by my family. My dad trained him, my uncle trained him right up until, you know, he turned pro. So we've got a good connection there. So of course I'm going to go with him. But don't like Cleese go off. No, best case scenario, Joshua takes him down, yeah. becomes champion. Do you think he's the kid to really put the heavyweight scene yeah. on the map? I do. Yeah. I do. I've, I've always said that. You remember, he's, he, he's, he's still young in boxing. He's not been boxing that long. And I said from day one, when he walked in Finchley Boxing Club, this kid will be a champion. And he's proved me right. He won Olympic gold. He won, uh, he won a, a world title in less than nine years that he walked in his first walk into the gym. Incredible feat. So, um, and I've always said in 10 years' time, we'll be putting his name up there with Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, um, Evander Holyfield, and Joshua. So he, I, his name will be mentioned in years to come with those sort of people. That's what I believe, because I think that he will, I think he'll, he, he's like the guy who's going to put boxing back on the map. What is it that sets it apart, do you think? I think it's just like, one, he just works so hard. He's a phenomenal athlete, right? So heavyweights normally are not athletes. This kid is an athlete, and you just think, well, if he was a basketball player, he might have been a good basketball player. Yeah. He's a footballer, he would have been a good footballer. He's just one of those guys. Yeah. And he works so hard at it, and so that's why I believe that he will, he will achieve what he wants to achieve. And that's not just to become heavyweight champion, but to put his mark on the scene as, as you know, one, one of the next greats. And I think that that's what sets him aside is because of his his mindset. His it's mindset. So like you see time and time again that work ethic, that yeah. will to be the best. Yeah. It's what sets those elite athletes aside. Yeah, it's just that will to want to do something special. And Joshua's like that. You know, he lived the life through, he lived a really checkered past when he was a kid. And that's how he fell into boxing. Yeah. You know, he used to drink, he used to smoke, he fell into boxing. Now the guy doesn't even drink coke or lemonade. He's like, <laughs> he drinks water and he eats clean. And you look at him and he's like, you look at him, you stand next to him when he's boxing and he's, he's got a racehorse, his veins popping up. It's just like a beautiful specimen, you know what yes. I mean? And that's through hard work. Of course it is. Sheer you, hard work, man. And, you look at all the heavyweights yeah. that, you know, currently making up the British, you know, yeah. and he does, he's not the same body type. No, he's the standout, man. He's standout. That's not taking anything away from people like David Price, David Hay. David Hay looks great as well. He does, yeah. But David Hay, but David Hay and Joshua together, Joshua's just got that extra definity on him like it's just everything's defined and it's just like you just go wow that's yeah. just like you know what I mean that's what people yeah it's just like it's just like and that's what that's what sets him aside yeah well mm. Spencer we're going to wrap things up yeah now. brilliant Dan just a couple of quick five questions before we do 
Best advice you've ever been given. Best advice I've ever been given. Yeah. Um, which is right. The best advice I've ever been given. Treat people the way you want to be treated because you meet the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. And that worked so well for me because when things went wrong for me, people were there to pick up the pieces and that's why I'm where I am today. Uh, hey, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. Be nice to everyone because... Yeah, it doesn't cost anything. You meet the same people on the way up so when it goes wrong. Everybody gets dealt a rough card at some point in their life. When you get that card, mate, and you've been nice to people, people come back to you. If you haven't, then get on with it so there's your bit of advice for the day and is there a piece of advice that you often find yourself giving to people I, 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 no I use that I do use that a lot and I'd say to people listen be grounded especially the young kids that are coming through and I've had a few of them that just seem to be losing their, their feet are coming off the ground a little bit and I say to them listen be grounded because I'm going to tell you now I was a kid that everybody was pushing and things went tits up for me you know when I was a young kid I said but because I was nice to people on the way up I said, they looked after me when it went wrong, when, it, when everything went sits down. I said, they was like, well, he's not a flash horrible little kid. He was like, this is a genuine grounded kid who remembered where he come from, treated people. So that's the advice that I could give anyone. Awesome. Um, last of all, yeah. people want to reach out to you or see what you're up to as the best yeah. place to do that. So well, you can, yeah, on Twitter, you got, um, I'm on there, at Spencer Oliver. I'm also on Instagram. I just started Instagram, you know? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, my daughter sort of got me into it, like, Dad, you got to do this. It's the way forward. So I'm on Instagram now. So it's Spencer Oliver underscore on Instagram. So you can yeah. get me on there. Some interesting yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there is, man, actually, because it's all about the uh, it's all about the boxing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Good. Man. Spencer, thank Wicked. you so much. Lovely, man. God bless, Dan. Cheers, mate. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you want to follow any further Deft Punk goings on. Please do check us out on social media. We're at The Deft Punk on Twitter and Instagram, The Deft Punk on YouTube, and the same on Facebook. Until next time, adios.